Have you ever wondered what secrets a once thriving psychiatric hospital now holds in its vacant halls? Welcome back to Retraced Echoes. In today's episode, we're diving deep into the history and unsettling occurrences at Anoka State Hospital, Minnesota's most haunted asylum. We've scoured historical documents and recreated first-hand witness accounts to bring you the most comprehensive look into the haunting of Anoka State Hospital. Let the podcast begin. In the stillness of night and the quiet of our minds, we often find ourselves yearning for stories that both terrify and intrigue. Stories of otherworldly apparitions and unexplained phenomena. But have you ever stopped to wonder, where does it all begin? Welcome to Retraced Echoes. Welcome back to another episode of Retraced Echoes. As always, I'm your host. My name is Bert. We're back in action. You know, I had someone write to me, it was probably a couple weeks ago, and they said, Bert, we would really love it if you would do a hospital episode. And I thought to myself, well, I tried to do a hospital episode not that long ago, but even though it was haunted, like there was no really good ghost stories. So now that one was in Hawaii. And I actually, even in the previous episode was like, hey, we're gonna look at this episode next. If you know anything about the episode, I never got anything from anybody. But in addition to that, when I started looking, I said, yeah, it's like a paranormal hotspot. But the biggest part of that, I believe, is based on the fact that it was built supposedly on like a previous burial spot. Which, again, that's always a big sign of paranormal activity, right? Like we've talked about that in other episodes, but this one didn't have any great ghost stories, like nothing where I could point a finger and go, man, that will make for some riveting podcasts. So I killed that episode on the cutting floor. It just wasn't like there was nothing to where I would feel good about putting that episode. Would I be putting out an episode? Sure. Would it be interesting? No, I don't. I don't think so. But I did a little bit of deep diving and I found one location that I think will have an amazing story. And what we're going to do is we're going to find ourselves delving into the deep past of the Anoka State Hospital. That's in Anoka, Minnesota. And there it's kind of like a place where there's boundaries between the living and the dead, which kind of gets a little blurred, which makes for amazing stories. It's got everything from nurses to laughing children to a patient that we're going to dig in a little bit to. But let's stop talking about it. Let's be about it. Let's go. Here's a tale that's been whispered from person to person. A tale rooted in the echoes of Anoka State Hospital. A place that has puzzled and scared those brave enough to walk its halls. Today, we delve into the story of the nurse in white. Imagine, if you will, a night darker than usual. A storm brews in the sky and the wind has a chill that seeps right into your bones. Even nature itself seems to caution those daring to venture into the Anoka State Hospital. But let's say you're the daring type, armed with nothing but a flashlight and an overwhelming curiosity. You step into the building, the door creaks shut behind you. The hallways are long and endless like tunnels that lead to another realm. You feel a heavy air as you wander, but what catches your attention in the distance is the sound of a squeaky wheel rolling across the hospital floor. That sound is a medicine cart, and you follow it, your heartbeat echoing in your ears. The wheels squeak louder and louder, the sound leading you to a corridor lit only by the erratic flashes of a light. 
and windows caked with years of grime. And that's when you see her, the nurse in white. She almost seems out of place, like a relic of the past. Her uniform is crisp white, from her cap down to her polished shoes. For just a moment, she appears as real as you and me, walking along the corridor as if she's still on duty. You notice her bend over, reaching for a non-existent bed, murmuring soothing words to a patient who's long since left this ward. For a split second, she looks up, and your eyes meet. There's a sense of sadness there, but also a stern warning, as if telling you you've stepped into a world you're not supposed to see. The nurse in white lifts her cart handle, and just as quickly as she appeared, she vanishes, leaving you in a hallway now empty, in a silence so thick you could cut it with a knife. Many who have told this tale swear by what they've seen, convinced that the nurse in the white walks the halls, forever bound to the hospital. Is she looking after patients who have long passed, bound by duty even in the afterlife? Or is she a guardian of the secrets that the hospital holds, cautioning those who dare to tread where they shouldn't? Such are the tales told about the Anoka State Hospital, where the line between the living and the dead are as thin as a whisper. One thing is for sure though, those who have seen the nurse in white find themselves questioning the world as they know it, forever wondering what truly lingers in the shadow of those long forgotten hallways. So the next time you find yourself pondering the mysteries of the unknown, remember this tale and consider, are you brave enough to meet the nurse in white? Now we're about to dig deeper into the mysterious history of this hospital, so hold tight as we delve into the story that has puzzled many. The Mystery of the Laughing Child This hospital almost feels like time has stopped. The walls are peeling, the floors are cracked, and the air feels thick with stories untold. Now in a place like this, the last thing you'd ever expect to hear is the joyful sounds of children's laughter. But that's exactly what has been reported in the hospital's psychiatric ward, a place where children should no longer be. Let's say you're wandering through the ward. Maybe you're snapping some photos or perhaps an investigator with gadgets to detect the supernatural. You enter a room filled with old dust-covered toys, worn-out dolls, toy soldiers, and a rocking horse. You feel an odd contrast between the joys these toys once gave and the eerie silence that fills the room now. But then, from nowhere, you hear it. A soft, unmistakable giggle of a young child. It echoes down the hallway, bouncing off the wall, as if playing a game of hide-and-seek. Your heart skips a beat. Your first thought is maybe, just maybe, there's a child who's lost, but deep down you know that's not possible. Summoning all the courage that you have, you follow the laughter. And as you step deeper into the psychiatric ward, something unbelievable happens. The toys begin to move. The doll's eyes, they now blink. A toy soldier lifts its arm and the rocking horse starts to rock as if an invisible child just hopped on for a ride. The room comes to life, animated by a presence that you can't see, 
but you can definitely feel. You look around, half expecting to see a child running past you, but no one is there. The laughter continues, filling the air with a mix of innocence and eeriness that sends shivers down your spine. And then, as suddenly as it all began, it stops. The toys come to a standstill, and the laughter fades into an unsettling silence. It's as if the child has moved on, leaving you alone in a room full of toys that now seem a little less lifeless. People who often have shared this story are often met with disbelief, but those who have heard the laughter, those who have seen the toys move, they know. They walk around with a lingering question, who is this laughing child? Is he a lingering spirit, forever encapsulated in the moment of joy, or perhaps He's the guardian of his own playground, making sure his toys are never truly abandoned. And so we leave you with this tale, a tale that challenges our understanding of the world we live in and in the one that lies just beyond our sight. If you ever find yourself in Anoka State Hospital and you hear the faint sound of laughter, remember the story and wonder, do you dare seek out the laughing child? We've journeyed through the halls of the Anoka State Hospital, where we met a spectral nurse and heard the laughter of an unseen child. Now, we tread into perhaps the most unsettling part of the hospital, the former psychiatric ward. You're going to want to hold on tight as we delve into the story of the agitated patient. Picture a night where the moon hides behind a shroud of clouds, and the wind carries a melody of whispers. You find yourself in a part of the hospital that once housed patients grappling with their minds. A place where emotions ran high and the line between sanity and abyss was very thin. The air feels heavy, almost suffocating, filled with memories of confusion, anger, and sorrow. As you walk through the dimly lit hallway, your eyes catch a flicker of movement. Your heart pounds as you realize you're not alone. You see a man, middle-aged, his face twisted in the grimace of what appears to be torment. He paces back and forth as if locked in an eternal struggle with himself. His eyes seem almost hollow, yet they burn with an intensity that makes your skin crawl. Just then you feel it, a wave of unease. A feeling so powerful it's almost paralyzing, a flood of emotions that's not your own. Paranoia, fear, agitation. It's as though the man's own feelings has leapt from him into you, gripping your own soul in an ironclad fist. Just as you're about to turn and flee, the man stops pacing. He looks straight at you and for a moment, his eyes meet yours. It's as though he's searching for something perhaps an answer to a question that has tormented him for an eternity. Then, with a deep shaky breath, he vanishes. As if absorbed by the walls themselves, the feeling of unease lifts, like a dense fog clearing, but it leaves behind a chill that no amount of warmth can erase. Those who have ventured into this part of the hospital can't explain what they've felt or seen, but one thing is clear, the agitated patient walks these halls, restless, perhaps 
forever searching for the peace that he'll never find. So there you have it. The unsettling tale the agitated patient. Whether he's a figment of collective imagination or a soul trapped in the unrest, his story serves as a chilling reminder of the mysteries that lurk in the forgotten corners of Anoka State Hospital. If you ever find yourself curious enough to explore these echoing hallways and stumbling upon these restless spirits, ask yourself, do you dare meet the gaze of an agitated patient? Now we're going to visit a quieter, yet equally mysterious entity, a story that brings both comfort and chills. Get ready to hear the tale of the elderly woman in the rocking chair. Imagine it's a winter night. The hospital walls are cold, the windows frosty, and you can almost see your breath hanging in the air. As you wander through the hospital, the atmosphere feels a bit different, almost calming, as if you're stepping into a sanctuary within crumbling walls. You arrive at a room that stands apart from the rest. It's warm, which is in stark contrast to the rest of the building. And in this room is an old-fashioned rocking chair positioned next to the window. Sitting in it is an elderly woman, her eyes closed, a peaceful smile on her face as she gently rocks back and forth. The room seems to hum like a strange kind of warmth, as if no longer in a decaying hospital, but the home of a grandmother who's lived a long, fulfilling life. You feel a sense of peace, a break from the uneasiness that has followed you through the rest of the exploration. However, just as you consider approaching her to engage in conversation, she vanishes into thin air, as if she was never really there. The warmth that filled the room dissipates, replaced by the chill that you've grown accustomed to. Yet the rocking chair continues to move, its creaks echoing in the room as if propelled by an invisible hand. People who've experienced this type of phenomena often leave with mixed feelings. The woman seemed to embody a kind of tranquility, which is rarely found within the confines of a hospital. Yet her sudden disappearance reminds us of the building's haunting reality. The creaking rocking chair serves as a chilling yet fascinating puzzle. Who was this woman? And why does she linger in this room? So if you ever find yourself in the hospital, be sure to listen carefully for the creaks of a rocking chair and look for a room that feels strangely warm. Should you encounter the elderly woman, ponder this, why does she remain? Maybe she's a guardian spirit providing a safe spot for lost souls. Or is she too a lost soul, eternally seeking the comfort of her rocking chair? As we continue exploring this hospital, it's hard to shake off the feeling that you're never really alone, especially when you come across a figure that seems, well, out of place. You see him at the end of the hallway. He's wearing a white coat and holding a clipboard, just like a doctor would. He seems to be inspecting the rooms, jotting down notes as if he's still making his rounds. You feel a jolt of curiosity mixed with dread. Could it be? A doctor who still roams these empty halls, fulfilling duties that no longer exists. But before you can make up your mind, 
The doctor lifts his head. He locks eyes with you. His gaze is both comforting and unsettling, but it's what happens next that turns your blood cold. The air is suddenly filled with a static buzz, like white noise of an old radio. The voice of a man breaks through, saying, Leave this place. Experts in electronic voice phenomena have recorded this voice, and it identifies itself as the doctor. The warning is clear. Leave immediately. It's as if the doctor knows something you don't. Something that makes it urgent for you to leave, and quickly. Could it be that this doctor, this spirit, is still committed to the duty of care? Is he warning you of dangers that lurk in the depths of this hospital? Dangers that maybe only he knows of? Or maybe he wants to spare you from becoming another permanent resident in the labyrinth of forgotten souls. So if you ever find yourself wandering through the hospital and you happen to see a doctor still making his rounds, you might want to heed his advice, because when a spirit from another realm tells you to leave, it's probably a good idea to listen. The ghost stories are always a blast. I'm actually looking forward to putting the sound effects and some music on this, because I think that's really what's going to make these stories kind of stand out. Now, even though we talk about the ghost stories, I still want to talk about the rest of it, because I'm a history person too, but... This location was actually built in the 1900s. It was the Anoka State Hospital was originally established as like a state asylum. And it was put in place to help those that were suffering with any multitude of mental illness. And we're in 2023. It was significantly different for these kind of facilities back in the early 1900s. There's a lot of dark chapters. I mean, probably the biggest one that isn't every single one of these stories that I read is the overcrowding, which was always a persistent problem. And a lot of times that resulted in inhumane treatment of the patients that's there. Now, we have to remember this hospital was operational during a period when mental health science was just in its infancy. So it was just starting out and treatments that were often considered erratic or cruel, like they did a lot of electroshock therapy there. They even did lobotomies. These were all once the norm at a hospital like this. So when I was doing research on this specific facility, one of the things that I ran into is oftentimes the records indicated that many patients spent years, if not decades, and they stayed locked up in this building. So they were isolated from the outside world, which is crazy when you think about it, right? A lot of cases, the families wouldn't even show up to do visitation. And I think in some occasions, they wouldn't even let the families near them. So it's like once someone was in this hospital, that was like a prison sentence, if you think about it by today's standards. And there was a lot more of the dark past and we'll cover some of that, but what a crazy concept. Back then, in the 1900s, things that today would be considered almost like the norm. It's to a degree, when I think of this, I think of like the Salem witch hunts. It's like, this person can read. She's clearly a witch. Let's burn her at the stake. Very similar philosophy. But back then, we saw it as humane and ways to try to treat it. And just very crazy by today's standards. Very crazy. Now, one thing to talk about is this is the first time that I've done research on facilities like this, and I'm sure there's probably information and stories that's left out of stuff like this. 
But one of the things that I oftentimes question when I'm looking at this stuff is when did the activity actually start? Right? So we talk about all these different locations and the ghosts have moved on to the other side. When do they find themselves coming back? And in this case, when I look at the first encounters, it was not just from thrill seekers or like paranormal investigators. It was the people that once worked and lived within the walls. So the first reports that I see is in the early 1930s, right around the time of treatments at the mental health facilities. They started to have a shift and change and nurses and doctors began reporting some of the strange occurrences. So there was actually a nurse who was named Mary. She would work the late night shifts and she was one of the first ones that I could find record for that she would speak about mysterious footsteps that she'd hear, echoes in empty hallways. And she wasn't alone in her experiences. Around the same time, patients started reporting seeing a woman in white uniforms entering into their room at nights. And at first, this was all dismissed as there's just, you know, these people are clearly here for a reason. Um, and it was almost like their ramblings of like their own unstable minds. But then other patients started sharing remarkable similarities in their stories. So one person would tell a story. They would obviously jot it down, note it. They're like, hey, this person clinically crazy. But what they noticed was, was that multiple patients had the same exact experience. And that's something that I typically talk about, right? When we go with paranormal activity, yeah, the circumstances that surround it can, if anything, be compelling. But when similar people have similar experiences, there's something to that. And in this case, even though a lot of the people were deemed as quote unquote crazy, they were still experiencing something that was noted. It was put in writing. Now, one of the stories that we told today was one of the stories of the children playing with the toys, and that actually came from a janitor. And he had worked there for decades, and he would tell at nighttime that he would hear laughter echoing from that children's ward. And that was some place that had been vacant for years. Now, another thing to remember is all of these encounters, these first encounters, these were all documented in staff logs and patient records. And it kind of cemented itself into the complexity in the history of this, of this, uh, I keep on wanting to say hotel, of this hospital. Now, I say this every single podcast, whether you're a skeptic or you're a believer, the weight of these initial accounts, in my opinion, they're hard to ignore. You got to remember that these experiences, they're going to serve as like a bedrock for the more established and elaborate stories that I told today. These are reoccurring themes. We see them occurring time after time after time in all the stories to say are. So they give us insight, not just on the hauntings, but into the human experience and obviously for confronting that unknown. So this is the one that everyone I'm sure has they probably assumed was going to happen was the emotional imprints, right? Hospitals, especially one that's dealt with psychiatric conditions, they're oftentimes filled with intense emotions, right? Like fear and pain, even like fleeting moments of joy. And some believe these feelings, they can actually imprint on the location. And that causes almost like the repetitive, the residual type of ghost hauntings we talk about a lot of times now. The stories that we told today is a little bit different because there's also an intelligent style to some of these ghost stories, right? Now, there's a second theory that fits in, and that's the unfinished business part of it. 
Um, it's commonly cited by like paranormal research is the idea of like somebody had this thing going on and they couldn't necessarily just leave it the way it was. Right. So we talked about the nurse or even in this case, like the doctor um, or I guess to a degree, the agitated patient. Uh, those souls have some type of an, an unresolved issue. They can't move on without finishing whatever it is that they had in this case between the walls of that hospital. So I can understand where that one fits in also. Now there's also energy fields, right? The third theory is slightly more of a scientific approach, but it focuses on actual inter, uh, energy fields. Anoka State Hospital is built with certain materials that could theoretically in the thought process store and emit energies. And the theory behind it is, is that sometimes these energies can be mistaken for paranormal activity. So if anything is a question worth asking, in my opinion, uh, theory number four was that there was a portal to the other side, which I find that one as kind of an odd one, but the world has put it out there. Um, it's fascinating at a minimum is fascinating, but the theory basically says that the hospital serves as some type of a portal between the earthly realm and God knows what exists on the other side. Now this could explain a wide range of the, I guess the entities that was reported there from the nurses to the children, uh, each one with their own unique behavior and I guess characterisms to a degree. I don't know. I'm not sold super hardy on that one. I don't know. It just seems odd that all these things happened at some place like a mental asylum. Which, theory number five, is mass hysteria or suggestion. Uh, again, that's not something that I think we did not see coming. Right? <laughs> we talk about these stories and we talk about, hey, I wonder what kind of activity we're going to see. And that's what it is. So they consider it the power of suggestion. And that's when somebody reports that there's a haunting. It's easier for others to believe that they've experienced something similar, right? So could some of the reports be the products of mass hysteria? Probably. It's obviously a controversial theory, but I mean, it's obviously there for a reason. Nick and I talk about this in our other podcasts quite often. You know, if the expectation of something is there, it's easy to kind of fall back into that and go, yeah, this is definitely a thing that's going to happen. And then it makes you almost look for whatever you think it is, right? Like if somebody says you're going to hear whispering down the hallway, you're going to be listening for whispering down the hallway. Am I right? You know what I mean? I think no single theory can fully explain some of the mysteries that's happening there because uh, each one is kind of unique, right? It's at a minimum captivating. But again, whether you're a skeptic or you're a believer, considering these theories deepens the conversation and opens doors. A lot of times when I'm dealing with a specific Reddit, there's those that believe and there's those that are skeptic and neither one of them seem to want to talk to each other about these circumstances, which drive me crazy because it's like, you're never going to get to the place that you're looking for unless we have that open dialogue. But that's the open theories. There was five different ones. The, the, the intelligence side of it makes me not go residual, but I definitely understand the emotional, uh, the emotional imprints part of it. 
Now I want to jump into the scientific investigation part of it. What type of scientific proofs? Well, I say scientific proofs. I think the typical skeptic will say none of these things truly count. But the biggest things that I saw when researching this is the investigators that use things like EMF detectors, which is the electromagnetic fields. Uh, a lot of times they'll have that type of hit. Um, and there's noted areas where the paranormal activity has kind of been frequented. I'm going to absolutely butcher this when I try to say it because it took me like 20 times when I said it when I was actually doing the reading in the old psychiatric ward. There's something about those three words when I piece them together. Old psychiatric ward. Oh, OK, well, I said it that time. I shouldn't have said anything. I should have just went with it. If I would have just went with it, I never would have been able to say that. But uh, the, the vast majority of the reports is in that old psychi psychiatric ward. See, I almost screwed it up there. Uh, temperature fluctuations, that's relatively normal. They do that by looking nowadays at thermal cameras. And there was actually a study that was conducted in 2019. They actually found that temperature drops were observed in rooms where entities such as the elderly woman or the agitated patient had been reported. So we got the EMF. We got temperature fluctuations, audio captured, right? We talked about the doctor. There is EVPs that if you go look it up right now on the internet, I'm not going to, but I would love to put that stuff on there, but I don't know the investigators that done it. So I don't want to get in trouble with them using their stuff, but definitely interesting. Look up doctor EVP and then Anoka uh, state hospital and much like the story that I told, typically he's like, get out or leave or something like that, which is crazy. It's eerie and it's clear. That's the thing that blows my mind. It's always clear. Uh, the other big thing, video documentation. In certain cases, a lot of the investigators would set up like night vision cameras in hopes of capture, uh, capturing like the visual evidence. And these results were always by most considered inconclusive, but some of the footage shows movements like objects is being shifted or lights like or like the uh, lights flickering, which again went to the story that I told. There's actually a video that I watched where you can see the toys moving. You can see the rocking chair kind of moving, which again, kind of creepy. <laughs> this would not be a hospital I want to jump into and chill. The last one that I'm going to talk about, I know is going to be at best controversial. And that's why I left it for last. But some experts has used psychological tests to gauge people's reactions in certain parts of the hospital. So while it isn't direct evidence or like any kind of paranormal activity, the heightened sense of unease that a lot of times the participants would have, in my opinion, adds a, a layer to the mysteries. But again, is it because they're assuming something's going to happen or is it because they're truly feeling whatever is there? If anything, I think these are really cool things to look at. Despite the scientific endeavors, though, no investigation has ever been able to be definitively proven or disproven when it comes to using any of the theories that I talked about. Uh, the other things I want to talk about is the per personal accounts. We talked about some of that. The night watchman. Uh, we have accounts of a night watchman who worked in the hospital in the 1990s. And on several occasions, he reported seeing the figure of the nurse in the old fashioned attire. She's walking down the hallways. He would call out or follow her and she would just vanish, which I thought that was really cool. 
There's something about the firsthand accounts that I always find amazing. Now, we talk about paranormal investigators and a lot of things that they do, but again, people always say, well, that's because they're looking for it, right? Show me people that's there for a specific reason that is not directly tied to them making money or them having this or that, but prime example, case of the night watchman, right? There's nothing that he would benefit from telling the story. In fact, if anything, it would be more of a deficit because more people would look at him weird. Oh yeah, he's the guy that saw the ghost and blah, blah, blah. So that always holds a little bit more weight for me. There's also been numerous visitors that have talked about similar to what we was talking about with the psychological test. They would talk about entering the psychiatric ward and how it would cause them almost like an overwhelming sense of dread. So Again, it could be because their mind's playing that trick on them. Of course, we talk about numerous paranormal investigators has been there. It doesn't take a whole lot to look that up. You'll run into video after video after video, EVP, audio. It's amazing. Even local residents. Um, there's actually stories from the local residents who grew up near the hospital. And a lot of times they would report hearing like children's laughter, seeing the toys move on their own in the empty children's wing. Uh, that's when they would actually sneak over there. So there's even those kind of stories, which super creepy. I wanted to try to find a way to build that into the story that we had today. And that's what I do is I take these stories. Uh, I take the accounts from different sources and I try to build the stories around it. So even though the situations may not be exactly what happened to each person is definitely what happened in general. So hopefully y'all enjoy the way that I piece those together. I do want to jump over to the skeptic point of view. We obviously talked about the power of suggestion. This hospital, it has a reputation alone uh, without me saying anything that would give some people more of like a, a, a likely interest in perceiving ordinary events as like a supernatural one, like a creaky floorboard or like a drafty window. That's suddenly a ghost, right? One of the ones that I found interesting is the high... EMF, right? The, the high electromagnetic fields. You know, earlier we talked about the high EMF levels and being used as an indicator for paranormal activity. Skeptics, though, argue that elevated EMF levels can cause people to experience feelings of dread or like seeing shadow figures, which could be a scientific explanation for unease. So many feelings in the hospital. So they go, oh, yeah, there's a high EMF. Uh, these people are probably going to see uh, things such as shadow figures or see things out of the corner of their eye or have dread. I think that has nothing to do with EMF. I don't know how that would. Like if my EMF detector went up, would it provide a heightened point of view for me to look around and see if I see anything? Absolutely. But do I believe that because the EMF detector is going up, it's going to cause me to either have a sense of dread or to see shadowy figures? Absolutely not. I don't see where that makes any sense whatsoever. I find it funny that we talk about the EMFs and then the skeptics go to a completely different... They're not trying to explain the EMF part. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, it's a high EMF, EMF whatever. But that, that, that shadow person you saw, they didn't exist. That just fascinates me. I don't know how they, how they come to that conclusion. Now, another one that we oftentimes talk about is EVPs. I told you guys definitely check out some of the voice, especially with the doctor saying to leave. It's interesting because the, because the skeptics will bring the EVPs into questions. They always want to point out that 
These are obviously supposed voices and they're open to interpretation, but they believe a lot of times this is just radio interference or the investigators themselves. And it's almost like it's creating a feedback loop of self-fulfilling beliefs, which goes back to power of suggestion. That's just a hard one for me to believe. It's not like unless there's a investigator that's trying to fake that, I don't know how they would come up with EVPs that have some of the stuff that's there. Now, as for things moving or the flickering lights, those are always just natural explanations. These are either it's old wiring, uh, wind going through broken windows, even animals could be responsible for some of the phenomena. So I get it. I think that that's part of the value in all of this, right? Like, I think that you need to have both perspectives, but they need to be able to, to talk to each other and to think critically. I don't know. It's just a very interesting thought process. This is definitely for haunted locations. This is one that I would love to go to. It's, it's like a love hate. I would love to go there, but I'd hate to be there very long and I'd hate to be there by myself, <laughs> especially at nighttime. Wouldn't want to be there. Regardless, I think this location, as always, is going to leave more questions and it definitely gave us answers. And as we wind this bad boy up, I do want to leave a thought with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, I know you would love another podcast that I do with a friend of mine. It's called Deceptive Reality. It's done with my friend Nick. And much like this, every single week we choose a topic and we go into it. Now, unlike this, that's ghost stories. We cover anything that is uh, like an unsolved mystery, right? So like one week was the Mothman. Another one was the New Jersey Devil, the infield poltergeist case. We've done things such as UFO stories. It's definitely interesting. Gives some different perspectives. There's two of us there. Definitely check that out again. That's Deceptive Reality Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, also, please be sure to rate it. Tell your friends about it. That's how people like you, this like-minded, finds places like this that we can have an overall conversation. Also, be sure to look forward to next week. We're, I'm going to have some blogs coming out just based on some of these entities. It's just kind of like a deep dive into some of the mysterious figures that we talked about today. Well, everybody, hopefully once again, you enjoyed our deep dive into the Hana history of this location. We heard everything from firsthand accounts that defied the logical explanation, but we even entertained the naysayers among us. Let's be honest, the story isn't complete without his criticisms also. Until the next time, keep questioning, keep exploring, and remember, sometimes the answer you seek might just be in the next dimly lit corner, but tread lightly. You never know who or what might be sharing that corner with you. Until next time, goodbye.